Yeah. Brother B and X and Young Connie down. I said I'm finna go live. Brother B and X. I'm finna go live, put my nine to five Finna go home, boys, finna be a vibe Finna be a vibe, vibe They say take a leave, so I went to the dive I'm finna go live, put my nine to five Finna go home, boys, finna be a vibe Finna be a vibe, vibe They say take a leave, so I went to the dive Dive to do for self on my own Bossed up, got a car and a home And I did it on my phone I'ma show you how to get it strong Get the bag and it don't take long And you don't need a loan You don't need a boss or a master Get the right team and it's faster This a new chapter Gotta learn the business in the game Every day new money, new change Adapt to the lane It ain't about the bread but the brain Work hard, play hard, new fame No more chains No more chains Put my nine to five, finna go home, boys, finna be a vibe, finna be a vibe, vibe. They say take a leave, so I went to the dive. I'm finna go live, put my nine to five, finna go home, boys, finna be a vibe, finna be a vibe, vibe. They say take a leave, so I went to the dive. I'm finna go live on IG, sorry, but a nine to five that's not me. I'ma do myself until I D I E. You already know the vibe when I speak, do not sleep, cuz. 20 months made 91k what you doing 40 hours i can do in one day with digital real estate that i own all i need is wi-fi and my phone get into it pursue it i show you how to do it you got a gift inside you but you never knew it let me put you in the game i've been a coach everything i do is dope man i'm finna go live put my nine to five finna go home boys finna be a vibe finna be a vibe vibe they say take a leave so i went to the dive i'm finna go live put my nine to five finna go home boys finna be a vibe finna be a vibe vibe they say take a leave so i went to the dive went to the brother bnx and young time done brother bnx uh. and young time All right, so I'm a Lakeland family. We'll give a couple more minutes. Just get everybody to come on in. Tell a friend to tell a friend that the power call is started. One more moment. Uh, brother BNX and Young Connie down. I said I'm finna go. Uh, brother BNX. I'm finna go live, put my nine to five Finna go home, boys, finna be a vibe Finna be a vibe, vibe They say take a leave, so I went to the dive I'm finna go live, put my nine to five Finna go home, boys, finna be a vibe Finna be a vibe, vibe They say take a leave, so I went to the dive Dive to do for self on my own Bossed up, got a car and a home And I did it on my phone I'ma show you how to get it strong Get the bag and it don't take long And you don't need a loan You don't need a boss or a master Get the right team and it's faster This a new chapter Gotta learn the business in the game Every day new money, new change Adapt to the lane It ain't about the bread but the brain Work hard, play hard, new fame No more chains No more chains Put my nine to five, finna go home, boys, finna be a vibe, finna be a vibe, vibe. They say take a leave, so I went to the dive. I'm finna go live, put my nine to five, finna go home.
boy, it's finna be a vibe, finna be a vibe, vibe. They say take a leap, so I went to the dive. I'm finna go live on IG. Sorry, but a nine to five is not me. I'ma do myself until I D-I-E. You already know the vibe when I speak. Do not sleep, cause the 20 months made 91 day. What you doing 40 hours, I can do in one day. With digital real estate that I own. All I need is Wi-Fi and my phone. Pursue it, I show you how to do it. You got a gift inside you, but you never knew it. Let me put you in the game. I've been a coach. Everything I do is dope, man. I'm finna go live. Put my nine to five. Finna go home, boys. Finna be a vibe. Finna be a vibe. Vibe. They say take a leave, so I went to the dive. I'm finna go live. Put my nine to five. Finna go home, boys. Finna be a vibe. Finna be a vibe. Vibe. They say take a leave, so I went to the dive. Went to the Brother BNX and Young Time to Die. Brother BNX uh. and Young Time to Die. Assalamu alaikum, family. Pray everyone is doing well and well rested, safe of you on the East Coast. I know we'd had a storm, you know. Pray everyone is safe on the East Coast and still has power and see this beautiful sun today. We are in store for another treat. Welcome to your power call. Welcome back to your power call. If you are a returning family member of the power call family, this is your first time on the power call. Welcome to the power call. Definitely excited. Invite a friend, invite a friend, invite a brother, invite a sister, and let's be in store for another treat that we have for today. So without further ado, I'm going to make sure I open up. In the most holy name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah who came in the person of Master Fahd Muhammad, and I bear witness that he rose up one to be his exalted Christ, the eternal leader of the nation of Islam, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I thank them both for raising one and making one to be a comforter for us, a mercy for us, a divine God, leader, teacher. And I'm speaking of none other than the honorable minister, Louis Farrakhan. It's in their three names. I would like to greet you all in our ancient original tongue of Arabic with the greeting words of peace. Assalamualaikum. So yes, we are in store for a treat. Um, being that we, you know, we starting a new year. Many of us have goals, have visions, have plans, have things that we want to achieve this year. And you know, sometimes we get out the gate, we get out the gate strong, you know. But then eventually, life starts lifing. We begin to hit with certain obstacles, and some of those obstacles could be that we are our own obstacle, and we can begin to overwork ourselves we don't set the pace we don't set the proper tone and we end up burning ourselves out so we want to listen to our dear sister whom we may uh, lobby please with our sister minister dr ava muhammad on burnout identifying it and overcoming it and i'm not going to belabor the point without further ado this is going to be it's actually audio only um so we'll be listening even though you i'll be sharing my screen so we can get to the video but it's audio so let's listen in let's make sure we take notes Let's make sure that when we finish up, if we are able to, to come on mic or come on camera at the end to share our takeaways, our thoughts, our notes, and our feedback uh, on what we've learned from the lecture as well, and be able to encourage one another so we can get the day started off right. So without further ado, let me share my screen here. All right, here we go.
so much. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I am thankful to Almighty God Allah for His love and mercy, sending us His prophets and messengers, Moses with the Torah, Jesus with the Gospel, Muhammad ibn Abdullah with the Holy Quran. I can never thank Allah enough for his intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Farad Muhammad, the great Mahdi. I thank him for giving us a divinely guided leader and teacher in the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I come to you this afternoon as a student and representative of their anointed servant, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I greet all of you in the words of peace of As-Salamu Alaikum. How's everyone feeling this afternoon? I want to uh, apologize uh, to those who are standing. Um, we should have had sufficient seats here this afternoon. And I'm going to speak with uh, the first officer and the director of protocol about the fact that I was, it was committed to me that you would be seated this afternoon. And there's no reason, there's no rational basis for us to be standing this afternoon. And either you'll be seated next week or someone else will be in these positions. Because we are going into a new millennium and things are just too easy to get done. But over a period of time, when guests come out to be with us, when they have to stand, then they don't want to come back. And then when those who have already accepted the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and are working hard have to come and stand all afternoon, they don't want to come out either. And so we're going to correct this between now and the next time we meet. I too want to thank, and Sister Larissa, I saw heads turning when Minister Sika called your name, because I think the brothers and sisters want to see you so we can thank you for allowing us to use McDaniel Green. And this is a lovely facility, and we have been given this without cost, so the least we could do is bring the seats. <laughs> and we will do that next time. Thank you, Sister Larissa. But we are in the middle of our Ramadan, blessed Ramadan, and I say to us Ramadan Mubarak. And I want to share with you this afternoon, first of all, we were blessed yesterday to have a beautiful prayer service. All praise is due to Allah. Um, for the first time in the history of the Nation of Islam in North America, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan called for a prayer service on the 25th of December. Now, you may say, well, I thought that you all didn't believe in Christmas. You're right, we don't believe in drunkenness, we don't believe in eating pig, we don't believe in taking our hard-earned dollars and giving it to retail merchants and then saying that some big fat illusory man brought toys to our children. No, we don't believe in that, but we do believe in Jesus. And we believe in the meaning of his life. And so this month, all of the major religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, are all in a day or month of observance. 
And so the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that yesterday would be a day when we would come together. And he asked all people of all religions to come together to pray for a change, not in other people, but in ourselves. And to atone with God and with one another that the change in us will help bring about a change in the world so that we may have peace in the new millennium. So I just want to read to you. I shared with the believers yesterday words from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And I want to uh, share additional words with you today that were given by him in his press conference. One of the questions that was asked of the minister by the press this week was what would he be doing on the 25th? He was also asked to reflect on the past year what thoughts had been in his mind and what some of his reflections were during his time away. He answered as follows. On December the 25th, God willing, I will be observing exactly what I asked others to do, lest I be condemned as a hypocrite, saying from my mouth what is not in my heart. I will be spending that day in prayer and with my family because I have realized in the last 10 months of my illness that no man has any value at all if he is in this world without the strength and backing of God and the strength and backing of his family. And I stand before you today because God has helped me. He is first and foremost. But at the time of my near-death experience, no one was around me but my family. So I realize more now than ever that with all of our pursuits in life, with all of the kudos and praise and honor that we may get from whatever we do, nothing in this world is more important than service to God and the unification and love that can be put in our own families. My reflections this past 10 months, to be very frank and honest, prayers came for me from my Christian family. Prayers were sent to me from my Muslim family, from my Hebrew Israelite family. There were people of goodwill praying for me, black, brown, red, yellow, and white. There is no way I could have come out of that experience without making a complete commitment, not just to my own people whom I love and for whom I will spend the rest of my days working to uplift a lost and fallen humanity, regardless of their color, race, or creed. The next question that was asked of the minister was how was his health? And he responded, you can look at me. I must tell the truth. I am not out of the woods yet. There is no sign of cancer anywhere in my body. I am about 85% healed of the ulcer 
that was in the rectum from intense radiation. And I believe with the help of God, my family, my doctors, and the prayers of the righteous, sometime in the next year, I shall be completely whole and completely recovered by the grace of God. Now, a sister asked the minister a question that was very significant. She is with Channel 7, local ABC affiliate in Chicago. And she said, Minister Farrakhan, you talked about your near-death experience and you said you were at death's door. You seem to be coming at us today from a different viewpoint of spirituality. Has this year made you like that? And on a spiritual note, what happens next health-wise? And can you be a little bit more specific? Did you really think you were actually going to die? He answers as follows. What a wonderful question. My dear sister, I was three minutes away from death. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to listen to this next statement very closely. I had lost between five and six units of blood. Now, let me say, stop and say this to you. Minister Farrakhan told us when we were in Chicago in October at the labor's meeting that his body holds a total of eight units of blood. A total of eight units. I think it's pints. Am I correct, Dr. Brockman? I'm just saying units because I don't want to be uh, wrong. But to give you a picture, I want to give you a clear picture of where Minister Farrakhan was. His entire body holds eight units of blood. He had lost six of the eight units of blood. Now, he had lost this from hemorrhaging, losing blood or passing blood through the rectum. Now, he states here in the press conference, if it were not for my daughter, who is a nurse, and the wonderful doctors at St. Anthony's Hospital in Michigan City, Indiana, and the blood that was rushed to me from Fort Wayne, Indiana, I would not be here today. I had a visit with my urologist in Michigan City just last week, and his words to me were, Farrakhan, it's a miracle that you are even sitting here. Now the minister had lost so much blood and was so close to death that Dr. Aleem Muhammad gave instructions for them to turn the minister upside down because there was not enough blood in his body to sustain him. So in order that he not suffer brain death, they turned him upside down so that the remaining two pints of blood would go to keep the brain alive and functioning. 
Minister Farrakhan says, there is no trial that any of us goes through in life that we come out of and we're the same. We either come out better or we come out worse. And I want each of us in this room today, beloved, to think on the trials and tribulations of your own life because know that your spirit called for these trials for it to learn lessons during its sojourn in this dimension of its eternal life. This life on earth is just one link in an eternal chain. So I want you to think on that if you have to think back. Some of us don't have to think back because we're going through tremendous suffering right now. And know that God is letting you go through this. In fact, he tailored this trial for you so that you could come out stronger and better and qualified to receive the many blessings he wants to bestow upon you. Now, Minister Farrakhan says, yes, my trial produced a change in me and a purification of my heart without which God could not use me for greater service. I have done the best I could in the past, but when God acts to purify your heart, then your service after that trial will be greater than your service before that trial. He said, I am hoping and praying that God would allow me time on this earth, not just to partake of the beauty of the earth and the marvel of his creation, but to allow me to do something in the remaining years of my life to change the reality of the condition of human suffering among my own people and then the whole human family. I can't see a fire taking place in my neighbor's house and the wind blowing my way and not grab a bucket of water and try to help my neighbor put out the fire in his house. So I am not serving all of humanity. I am doing it from a selfish motivation. Because to save the human family is to save our own family. But even if you're selfishly motivated to help your neighbor, you may find you're helping yourself. Now the next person that asked the question, ask Minister Farrakhan to be more specific about the disasters that the prophet said would come. And those of you that were in the prayer service yesterday heard the statement that he made with regard to the prophets and what the world is facing. Now he answers like this. He said, I cannot be more clear than what the prophets themselves have said is coming. And you and I and we are all experiencing torment in our lives. There is hardly one of us 
that drugs have not come into our family and touched our children or grandchildren. There is hardly one of us that can boast our women and girls are safe. If I do not, if we do not change, our total destruction is coming. I will close, he said, with this. The flood that came in the time of Noah, according to the scriptures of the Bible, teaches that every imagination of the hearts of the people was to do evil. Every imagination of the hearts of the people was to do evil. If that is the way we are, then we cannot hope for good times in the new century and the new year. We can only look forward to what the prophets predicted. I would hope and pray that God would make me and us an agent of change, but I cannot be an agent of change unless the change takes place in me. Now, beloved, what I would like to do today, in accord with this beautiful press conference that the minister gave, and because we are in observance of Ramadan, you know, observance of Ramadan helps us to overcome stress and burnout. And that's what I want to talk about today, is how we can overcome burnout. Because most of us are suffering from it. We're just exhausted. Mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, drained. The general definition of burnout is to wear oneself out by excessively striving to reach an unrealistic expectation that's either imposed on us by ourselves or by society. But somebody is making us try to be and try to do what's not realistically attainable. Now, there's another definition that the behavioral scientists give of burnout. And this you're gonna love. It is a syndrome of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment that can occur among individuals who are involved working with people. I'm going to say that again. Exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment that occurs among individuals who do work that involves working with people. And of course, Minister Farrakhan and you and I are in a work that involves a great amount of interaction with other people. You are either working with people 
And you are being called upon to move people or you're in a situation where somebody is pressuring you. But either way, now add to that, coming up out of 400 years of slavery and the residual psychological damage of being in a society that hates black people. But growing up and being shaped and taught by that society so that our view of ourselves tends to be the view that the slave master's children has toward us. Burnout is a response to the chronic emotional stress of dealing extensively with other human beings. Now if the human beings that you're dealing with are troubled, burnout is more rapid and more devastating. So if you're dealing with black folks, you're dealing with troubled people, starting at home and then moving out from there. Now, if you want a simple explanation of how re people respond in burnout, look at the word itself. The word burn means heat, fire. Emotionally, it means anger. It is an anger, however, that is seething beneath the surface, ready to boil up and spill over at the slightest provocation. Imagine Minister Farrakhan with 44 years in this work and being angry and frustrated over the slowness of us to respond, but having to suppress the anger. Cancer patients and you know, black people don't contract or develop cancer as frequently as Caucasian people, but we die from it more. We die from heart attack. We die from high blood pressure and stroke because we are in a society where we have not been given an effective avenue to vent our feelings. That's why I spoke out on the chairs. Because it upset me tremendously when I came in here to see people standing. And very few people sitting there. It's one thing to run out of seats if the room is full of chairs. But it's another thing to have almost 200 people in a room and you got about 50 chairs. That's a failure to respond to need. A failure to meet expectations, yet calling on people to meet our demands. So when I came out, I couldn't think clearly. Because all I could think about was that we had talked early in a labor's meeting when I came back from out of town and found out that everybody was standing up last week. And we committed to correct that.
So I said, now why should I stand up here and hold this in when I can just talk about it and let it out? And when I let it out, chairs appear. And all praise is due to a lot. When I start talking about people getting busted and losing titles, then chairs appear. Oh, I'm letting it all out today. Praise be to Allah. Lord of the world. Now you and I are angry. We're angry over our condition, our situation, and we don't have a healthy way to vent it because the whole black condition is wrong. It is substandard, it is unnatural, and it is not human. We are living beneath the lowest standard that God ever intended for human beings to live on. And every day, every one of us is trying to find a way to cope with that. So naturally, since we're using all of our energy just coping with surviving being black in a white dominated world, what do we have left to deal with each other? Nothing. So the slightest thing makes us explode on one another. Now, the second part of burnout, so the first part is anger. Some of the most quiet among us, you know, some of us are very low-key. Some are like, oh, how you doing? But inside, you're a nuclear warhead waiting to explode. Now, the second part of burnout is out. There's nothing left. Fire, when fire gets finished, there's nothing there. Burn out. Nothing left. It is, it is as though the person has gone away from life. You say, well, how do I know if I burned out? If you feel that you just want to give up on something, nothing can be done. It's just hopeless. I'm through with this. I'm teaching for me. As, as well as us. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not speaking from a position of mastery. I'm just high up because I'm on the stage. <laughs> but once you burn out, you hurt people by doing nothing. Because energy, integrity, love, care, desire is gone because we're running on nothing. Burnout is very complex. It is not resolved by a couple of days on vacation. It involves all five major areas of life. Physical, intellectual, emotional, social, and spiritual. Physical burnout deals with not having enough energy available to do what you need to do and then do what you want to do. The first symptom is an all-around feeling of fatigue. 
Usually, people who suffer from burnout, they have a poor diet when it's physical. Poor diet, no exercise, and no means of stress reduction. Now that's physical. The second one is intellectual, the mind. That deals with the sharpness with which you and I need to be able to think in order to do what we need to do and what we want to do. Now, when you're mentally burned out, that ability diminishes. You're not creative. You can't, you, you can't develop new things. You start getting cynical, meaning that you assign negativity to everything. If somebody comes to you with a new approach or a new idea, you just decide, oh, that's not gonna work. Nothing works. You don't feel like thinking about anything. Now, emotional burnout means we become completely pessimistic. We're down and we have no emotional outlet. All we do is work to survive. And this can be very dangerous if we are what the behavioral scientists call over-invested in our work. Meaning we have put everything to the job or even to the cause. I heard a man say on the radio yesterday, you know, in this country, you can give your whole life, you can work 30 or 40 years at a company. And just before you turn the age to collect your pension, they cut you loose after giving them everything. Now, if you have over-invested in work and the work begins to deteriorate or you don't have the work anymore, your whole life can go downhill. Then depression sets in. Now, that's not only the case with work, that is the case in marriage and family. You've given your whole life to your husband or to your wife or to your children. Now they're getting older and they're not turning out the way you expected. But you gave everything to them. And they're just thumbing their nose at you. Or they're just a mess. And now you're there and you're saying, I put everything I had into this man. And he left. Or this woman. And she left me. And there's an answer to all, all of this at the end. Now, social burnout is when we have feelings of isolation. We feel alone and segregated from everybody as opposed to being involved. It's like today we're gonna acknowledge our December babies. Even if you're 90 years old, if you're December, we, we, we are, we're gonna thank a lot today for you being born. But you may feel, I, separate, even if you're physically there, but emotionally you just feel alone, you don't feel connected, you're socially burned out, and the question becomes, what kind of support system do you have?
Is there a way for you to share your feelings of frustration and anger, fatigue or disillusionment? Do you even have anybody intelligent and compassionate who will listen to you? And unfortunately, when a person's feeling burned out, they don't want to burden other people with their problems. Or because of what I said earlier with society, society tends to frown on you when you're not self-sufficient. So it's like when you need it the most, that's when you really don't want to ask for help because you don't feel that you can get it or you feel that all that's gonna happen is your problems get exposed and they don't get solved. And burnout is something that happens to Muslims, Christians, Jews, agnostics, atheists, nationalists. It, no one is immune from this. It is the deterioration of long-term psychological functioning. And as I said, it includes all of those aspects. And the ultimate outcome of it is a decline in happiness, a decline in sensitivity and compassion. Now this happens gradually. It doesn't happen in a day or even a year. It takes years for this to happen. But it manifests, you know, when it comes out in a crisis because you don't have any stored energy to get you through it. You may get evicted. You may be told you have cancer. Your husband or wife may walk in and say, I'm leaving you. One of your children may be hit by a car. You may lose a parent or a spouse or show up at a job tomorrow and they tell you you're fired or your business burns to the ground. How do you deal with that? You've got to have stored energy. And if you're using everything you've got just to get through a regular day, you don't have anything left for the crisis. Now, since it takes time for this thing to develop, it takes time for it to be resolved. And as I said, even though we need time off, that's not enough. And especially if you've worked all your life and you've never taken time for yourself, you can't just all of a sudden take a week off after years and years of working seven days a week and think that's gonna do it. Because your mindset is not inclined toward what you're doing. Assalamualaikum, Brother Minister. How are you feeling? Praise is due to Allah. It's Brother Minister Charles Muhammad from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Praise is due to Allah. Now, and I'm not gonna be much longer, but you need time for this situation. Because the bottom line, beloved, is that you gotta ask yourself, am I generally happy? See, you, you have a right to get upset, to get angry, to stomp your foot, cry, and these kinds of things. But overall, on a general life level, are you happy with your life? 
That's, that's the question. Now, what we have to have to overcome burnout is a spiritual revival. Through the word of God, prayer, meditation, fasting, and close, and here's what I think is probably the big missing element for us, close friendship with those who also believe. Not just running into each other at the mosque or at Savior's Day or in church or at, at some event because we, we interact but we don't have the closeness. Now, everybody is not going to be everybody else's ace boom coon. God didn't even intend it that way. You know, a lot of times we talk about cliques, people forming cliques, as though that's negative. The only time cliques become negative is when people are treated unjustly because they're not a member of the clique. Or decisions are made around the clique. When we let who's in our clique affect how we deal with everyone. Because it's human nature. In fact, God made it like that. He made us to have chemical and electrical affinity towards some people and repulsion toward others. There's really two basic things that go on in the universe as far as motion. We all move towards something or away. That's with everything. You see a man, he either looks good or he doesn't. She looks good or she doesn't. They, when we bring the cake out, you like chocolate or you don't. You see vanilla and you move toward vanilla. Or you see lemon or you like red. It's time to decorate your house. Or you either like red or you don't. You like blue or you're... You'll find with everything in life at its root, you're either drawn toward it or you're not. Now, there's something in life called acquired taste. By uh, nature, young children don't like certain vegetables. Their taste buds are not developed where they're attracted. By nature, when a baby is born, the baby only wants one thing, mama's breast milk. You have to actually force the child to something else. And over a period of time, they will like what you give them. We don't, by nature, like to eat things like potato chips with that type of amount of sodium in it. By nature, we would reject that. The popcorn that they give you at the movies with all the butter and salt, we acquired that taste. There was a time when our taste buds were so sensitive, you could detect poison. You didn't have to get bottles with labels on it saying this will kill you because your sense of smell and taste was so sharp 
nothing that was harmful to you would get really past your nostrils. Look at it. The human ability to deviate from God's will. Here is the intestines of a hog. A poison animal, swine flesh. The very best part of it is totally poison. Now, here is someone can take his intestines where the, the, the garbage goes. It's all, the animal itself is, is putrefied, garbage. Now you're taking the thing where its waste is processed. Pull it out and cook it. Put hot sauce on it and serve it. And people like it. Give me some uh, vinegar. Put it in a bucket and set it. In other words, we are capable of being other than our natural self. That's positive and negative. Here's something, the smell of it makes you want to regurgitate. So how do you get past that? Those of you that smoke or smoked cigarettes, the first time you ever smoked a cigarette, you thought you were going to throw up. The smell of it, the taste of it, what it did to your stomach, but you kept at it and you kept at it until your system developed an affinity toward the drug in the cigarette, nicotine. And after a while, your nervous system calls for the nicotine. So your nervous system convinces your taste buds that they like it. So now I, I gotta have my coffee and my cigarette. My drink and my cigarette. Because you have acquired, now that's the negative side. Because remember what I said, you can be made to go outside your nature. But everything in your nature is not good or mine. So there are some things in our nature that we need to acquire a taste that is opposed to that. Namely, human relationships. We are going to meet people that we don't have an affinity toward. You, know, you meet somebody that you instantly like, then you meet somebody you instantly dislike. Then you meet those that you are ambivalent about. We are in a time when we are being called upon to acquire a taste for one another. I was saying yesterday that in my life I've wondered from a small child born to parents who were both educators and really stressed the importance of black history and being grateful to what our ancestors suffered and what our grandparents and parents went through for us to have a nice home and an education, etc. And in thinking on that and looking back through history and all that we have suffered in America, I used to wonder what is our generation's, what is it of our time? 
that we have to go through since we're not picking cotton. If those of us who feel so depressed, we have nothing to be grateful for, thank Allah for that. That we're not picking cotton. That we're not in some uh, slave cabin somewhere with a, a dirt for the floor. Cold like it is outside today and nothing to keep us warm. Now, but what is our generation? Because every generation has a yoke, a responsibility to God. And that responsibility is difficult. So difficult that many generations fail their test. And you know what our test is? And what our job is? And what our duty is? That's going to get us to the next level and bring happiness? If we can fulfill it, it is atonement. The process of being willing to admit we are atonement. The process of being willing to admit we are at fault. Being willing to say I was wrong. Being willing to say I am sorry and then taking steps to correct the wrong. Now, I'm saying that because part of reversing burnout involves looking at the environment we're in to see if the environment we're in is contributing to our burnout. In other words, the stress that we put on each other because of our inability to get along with each other actually makes it difficult, if not impossible, to get the work done. The real problem is not circumstances, it is our response to our circumstances. And the word of Allah, the word of God, clearly shows us, Holy Quran, Bible, tell us you and I are not going to be problem free even if our circumstances are calm and peaceful. The experience of peace is not just going to come. The experience of peace is a learned response. That's what I'm getting to. And it comes from the application of the word of God in the midst of a trial. I want to say that again. Peace which is what we all need and seek. That's the, what the human being desires more than anything, is peace. Peace comes when we learn how to apply the Word of God in a difficult situation or trial. In other words, if we look back over our life, it is when we're in a trial that we fall apart and forget everything that we learn. We're in our headpiece, we're in our suit and bow tie, cussing somebody out. You such and such MF, da 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 da. Well, what happened? Why did you do that? Well, I just, I was overcome and I lost. But see, peace comes not remembering God's word in a set like this, but applying and remembering his word when you're under stress. See, it's easy to sit up 
alaykum. But when your child drives you to the brink of insanity, do you break down and cuss at your children and hit them? Or do you apply the principles of the Bible and the Holy Quran when you are under stress? That's what makes us evolve and when peace comes. When the minister, this is not in the press statement. When the minister was dying and he has no memory of this. His daughters and his wife had to tell him about this. They said that what blew them away more than anything was that was, was he was at the peak of agonizing pain, all the color drained out of him, all the blood drained out of him. You know what he was doing? He was thanking Allah for his life. stress. Now, what do we do on a day? Well, you say, well, it's, it's applying God's word in, in a trial. So what are the steps for that? And there's nothing spooky. Now, we, 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 because we're in the nation doesn't mean we shouldn't read how-to books right. or that we don't need counseling. There's nothing spooky. We need help. And one of the big facets of unrealistic expectation that makes us kill over with a heart attack is the belief that it can't happen to me. Other people collapse. Other people faint. Other people fall apart. But I, I can soldier. I can just keep going and going like that rabbit. Nothing stops. And you're the one that's going to fall out dead. Then they have the funeral, they suck on the peppermint, and life goes on. And you're out of here. You're 30 years old. You're out of here. You're 25 years old. You're out of here. No. Here's what we have to do. Number one, evaluate your goals. What are they? What is it that you want to do? Now look back at that and ask yourself, what is this and what is this purpose and where did it come from? Are you striving for something somebody else has decided is important? Are you trying to be something because you think it will make you get recognition? Not because you love it or want to do it. But you feel that this is the only way 
I can have value. The reason that we have to do this, beloved, and then evaluate these things and list them and say which one of these is realistic and which one isn't. Because trying to do something that's, it's like me deciding today I'm going to be a championship tennis player. It's not going to happen. I don't care who I hire to coach me. You understand what I'm saying? Number one, I am past that age. Yes, I know I'm striving to be like 16, but let's get realistic. Just because I saw Serena Williams on television, I can't say, oh, that's me, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm trying to give you an illustration of what I mean about what's realistic and what's not. I can admire and gain benefit from her aggressiveness, her competitive nature. I can apply that, but in my realm of reality. I can't do exactly what she did, but I can be as tenacious and determined to win in that which I am able to win. Now, you have to identify times of stress. Every one of us, for every one of us, there's certain things that push our button. Nobody in this room is exempt from that. Everybody in this room, there's something that I could do that would make you snap, but it wouldn't bother Minister Cassandra. Or there's something you could do that I would go off, but Minister Patrick, he would, he just, that doesn't bother me. And you've noticed that in your family, there's certain things, some people in the house just, ah! And other people are like, what's wrong with this dude? What is the big deal, man? Why are you going on? Why are you tripping? It's because we're all made in a different way. You have to know what makes you snap. So you can begin to prepare for the next time, because it, it's coming. Only way you're going to miss it is if you're not alive. And those in here that say, nothing makes me go off. I never raise my voice. You're the most dangerous person in here. See, you're the one that's going to run up in here with an Uzi one day and blow everybody and say, I'm scared of you. Because you are in total denial. <laughs> God didn't give you a big, loud set of vocal cords for you to talk like this for the rest of your life. But that doesn't mean you should go out through the land. <laughs> we have to find a, a balance. But my point is, some of us don't even know. The same thing is making you go off every day. You don't. You still haven't appended. And you're going to have to do that to get better. Now, you have to be willing to run the risk of getting close to other people and letting other people help you 
carry your responsibilities in life. You can't do everything on your own. Somehow in the, in the me generation, the 70s, they introduced something that has gotten worse and worse and worse so that in the 90s it's hit a peak of individualism where you have to show everybody that you can have, be, and do everything by yourself. Mar this is why marriage is on a decline. And see, one of the responses of the black community to the dysfunctional family that has been left in the wake of slavery because black men are not able, therefore not willing to get married. So black women, in order to cope with being rejected by black men, have over the past 15 years developed a defense mechanism called, I'm a man. I don't need no man because I am one. So you have Missy Misdemeanor and all these out here. Yeah, I'm a B.I.T. and I'm this. I'm bad and I'll stomp you. That's, that's really pain. That's hurt over being rejected. But it's not that he's rejecting marriage. It's just that a natural man isn't going to start a family if he doesn't have a means of providing for that family. So that's why this system deliberately locks the black man out. Now, so we have to learn how to get close with one another because it's only one another that are going to get us up out of this. Now, we have to pray. Some of us have been Muslims and Christians for years and we never pray. Walk around here in, in suits and bow ties and headpieces and never pray. Never pray. And then, and then wonder why we can't make things happen, why we're not successful. There's no way you are a praying man and woman and God isn't responding. There's no way. So if you tell me everything is wrong and God won't answer, that's because you've never called. God does not put people on hold. He does not have a pager. He does not have a voicemail. He does not have a cell phone that goes into dead areas. When you call, he answers. And I'm a witness because when I don't call, I don't get an answer. And my life is affected when I do not pray. You have to pray and then you have to meditate. Meaning taking quiet time to reflect. That's why the Quran always asks the question, do not men reflect? See, you have, to, you have to bask in the joy of being. Away from everybody and everything. Only a few minutes. You must exercise regularly. Master Farad Muhammad said the best exercise is walking. Now by walking, we don't mean sliding through the mall. Stopping at every window. Picking up a donut and a cinnamon roll and a, what do you call this thing, a bear claw. 
and it's driving around the parking lot for two hours waiting for a space in the door. <laughs> and then walk to the counter and get your food and walk back and say, I walked today. We're talking about brisk walking in fresh air for an hour to allow your blood to circulate so you can think clearly. Good physical conditioning strengthens your body's immune system and it increases endorphins or endorphins. You know what those are? Those are the volume of the brain. Those are the natural tranquilizers that your own brain produces so you don't have to take value. Smoke marijuana. Drink Johnny Walker Red or a bottle of wine to chill out. You take a nice brisk walk. Now of course walking is the best exercise. He didn't say it's the only exercise. Swimming, working out, as we get older, we have to do some form of weight resistance using your, your body, your own self. You, you don't have to become the Incredible Hulk. But you have to do things to resist to keep the muscle strong. You must get proper rest. You have to allow yourself adequate time. A lot of us don't get anything done because we don't, we don't get enough sleep. We're just tired. <laughs> and contrary to what we hear in society, most of us are not getting enough sleep because we, we confuse length of sleep with quality. We think it means you sleep a long time, but it is the quality of sleep. Are you sleeping on a good mattress? I'm in your bedroom now. If this thing is lumpy, if it sinks in the middle, and what you have done creaks, you have forced your body to do what? Adapt to it. So you just go on to sleep at night, you think you're getting a good, just because you closed your eyes and became unconscious for a minute, doesn't mean you had a good night's sleep. Is the room dark? And is it quiet? Is there a TV in there blasting? Is there noise in your house all throughout the whole time, whole night? Somebody's up making noise. Then you are not getting sleep. All right? You have to learn to be flexible. That's a big cause of stress. When we walk into a situation and it's not what we thought it was going to be, some of us go berserk. You make a flight, you get to the airport, they cancel the flight. You're ready to kill everybody. We have to be flexible. Things happen. Take the next one. That's why planning is so important. Because the more you plan, the more that changes can be adjusted to. So don't take the last flight of the day, knowing you gotta be somewhere at eight o'clock the next morning. If you know you have a meeting in Chicago, 8 a.m. the next day, why are you taking a 6 a.m. flight? Now, if you didn't know about it till then, that's fine. But if you knew two weeks ago, 
Go the night before. I ain't paying for no hotel. See, that's, that's what's wrong with us. We put a few dollars above our life and our nervous system. It's better for you to get in, get a good night's rest, wake up. When you go to the meeting, you're clean and pressed. You're not wrinkled up from the flight, drained from fighting through traffic to try to get to the meeting. Now you, you've made notes, you have your coffee or your juice, and you roll into the meeting. You've even thought of some things. You see? So be flexible. Only the Word of God is unchanging. Everything else is susceptible to change. Now, and lastly, slow down. Now, by, don't take me wrong, because some of us are already at a stand. I'm not talking to the logs. But I'm saying a lot of times we try to get too much done too quick. That's what I mean by slow down. The results are not going to happen overnight. You know, if you want to lose 20 pounds and you do 10 sit-ups tonight, you're not going to wake up and it's, the weight is gone. Oh, that exercise crap don't work. <laughs> you go to get your teeth fixed and the dentist can't give you a movie star smile today. He tells you, well, look, you need a root canal. I didn't come for no root canal. I came for a smile. And that's how we are. We want everything done. Just fix my teeth today. Well, it took them 20 years to get like that. You know where I'm getting these stories from, don't you? I give you a hint. You're looking at me. Because I went to the dentist five years ago. My teeth spreading apart, going up and down, traveling all different kinds of ways, falling out my mouth. I just said, just fix them, tighten them up, hook them up. I want it done. It's going to take you five years and about $10 million. And a lot of pain. Because your mouth is jacked up, lady. You're going to have to, you got periodontal disease. You're going to have to have your gums, gum surgery. Over weeks and months and years. People say, oh, you have such a pretty smile. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and that is why to this day, as soon as I eat, I run with that brush in there because I, I don't tend to walk that walk again. But what I'm saying is, we can't, and we can't, and I, you can't just give up. Because I went through a phase where my mouth looked three times worse than it did when I went in there. Because they, the dentist, they don't care. I mean, they just totally jack you up and send you home. Come back in three weeks. But what, how am I supposed to go around people? <laughs> in the meantime, got all kinds of rope and braces and rubber bands tied on my mouth. When the wind hits it, it's painful. Had a root canal, went on an airplane, thought I needed to, wanted to commit suicide. Flew back home and the dentist said, oh, I forgot to tell you, you shouldn't fly. Because the exposed nerve, when that air hit it, it was like death. But I'm saying that, as the minister tells us, for everything of value, there's a difficulty factor. 
And the greater the value of the thing, the greater the difficulty factor. So don't look for instant results for anything long term. Expect to bear down and work at it. All right? Now, lastly, and I'm finished, learn constructive ways of dealing with our anger. The gospel of Jesus, the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, all religions really teach forgiveness. And what you've got to do and what I have to do is dispense forgiveness liberal, liberally. Give it away like raffle tickets. Just pass it out to everybody that has ever hurt you. Because forgiveness is not for that person. It's for you. It's to free you of the anger toward them and that anger is making your body vulnerable to illness. Okay? Stay in touch with reality, like I said earlier. Don't let your ambition be different from your capability. Allah gave Sister Esther an awesome singing voice. She can pursue a career. I don't know anybody on CD that has a better voice than her. She has a kind of voice. She can make a career if she cho chose to do that. I cannot sing a note. My husband asked me, please, no, please. I love you, but whatever you do, just don't sing. Don't, don't sing along with the record. Just don't, just don't. It just wasn't given to me. So what do I look like trying to go to New York and get in, uh, and say to Sister could you coach me, could you teach me, and then trying to get a recording contract. I don't care what kind of special effects you put around the special effects, sound the technology. It's just not going to happen. So what I'm saying is our desires and goals, and deep down inside, see Allah is not a mean, sadistic God. He's not going to make you want what you can't do. When you desire that, which you're not capable of doing, that's, that's either society has put that on you or that's something inside of you that, that you have to work with, okay? Everybody in here has something they can be perfect in doing. And it goes back to what I said about prayer. If you're communicating with your creator, he's going to show you what it is you can do. Now, lastly, if you cannot resolve a major conflict area in your life, there are times when you're going to have to move on. As much as Allah hates divorce, sometimes a marriage has to end. Sometimes you and your business partner have to go separate ways. Sometimes you have to leave that job or you have to move to a new city. You have to be realistic. And when you honestly can say, I have tried everything I can in this circumstance, and whoever is working with you has tried, don't have hostility, don't have animosity, but sometimes you just have to close the door on a relationship or a job or a situation or a place and you have to move on. If you study in the gospel, you, you'll see Jesus himself, he couldn't get everybody. Right. Allah tells Muhammad in the Holy Quran, wouldest thou weep 
and cry and have stress to death because you can't convert everybody to Islam? Don't worry about it. All I asked you to do was deliver a clear message. So once you can say you've done the best you can do, as our Christian brothers and sisters say, let go and let God. So may Allah bless all of us to have a happy and productive day, week, and life. By knowing that when all is said and done, Allah is God. May he bless us all with the light of understanding as I leave you in peace. Assalamu alaikum. Beautiful, beautiful message. I know I, I took quite a few notes and I pray you all took some notes as well because I know burnout is real. We all go through it for sure. So if you would like to share, this is the opportunity to share. Drop a number one in the chat if you would like to give your feedback, your takeaways from today's lecture, burnout, identifying and overcoming it. Dropping number one. <clears throat> and I also in the chat as well, I dropped, um, tried to you know, do my best to be able to keep track of those steps that she gave there in the chat as well. Anyone that may need that for their notes. Uh, brother Daniel, let me make sure that you can unmute yourself. All right, you should be good, my brother. Yes, sir. Uh, quite a bit in this one. Great family. Thank you, Brother Wesley. Um, I, I would start off with what hit my mind in me was uh, the example of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and how our dear sister was able to look at the circumstances that he was going through when he was three minutes from death and how this worked when sincerely done, not can burn you out, it will. Um, but when the minister was at that point, his love of God and his submission was so great, he thanked the God and never would um, take a negative attitude toward his situation. So um, I brought that up because when I look at my own life and some of the simple things that brother got to deal with in life, you know, a lot of the points that she named, be patient, slow to anger, don't blow up everything as you're going through things. You know, I could find myself, you know, going through some of those uh, areas of rage, just trying to move it in appropriate, you know, moving not in time and trying to find my keys or having this little issue here, car broke there. It's the simple things that we're going to have to go through in life. Um, it goes to show how much growth that has to take place within self because the scripture says, if you can be faithful over little, I would give you much. Most of the trials that I go through in life, those are little things that can easily be mastered with the teachings and submission. And I realized that the reason that these things keep coming up is because they have not been handled and have not shown forth proficiency in a way that would allow me to advance forward and move on to better things. So um, that stood out. Also, the, of course, the points was, was mentioned, but the 12 points that she laid out 
on how to overcome burnout, all of those things also stood out to your brother. There's some other points, but I'll probably come back around after I reflect some more. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, Sister Farah. Assalamu alaikum, family. Um, <clears throat> what stood out to me was when she said, um, the thing that will bring us true happiness is atonement. Um, I bear witness to this. I believe it was about a week or two ago where I had something to atone for that happened years ago. Um, and I noticed the, the wrong you've done in the past, even when you've turned away from those ways and you become, you know, a Muslim and you're striving to be righteous, they still sometimes your past comes back um, to burden you because you never did resolve whatever it was. And um, yeah, it, it tends to haunt you like a ghost sometimes because it's, it's, it's unfinished business that lives rent free in your head. Every time you remember what you did too, you start to feel like you don't deserve happiness. Sometimes you receive bless blessings from a lot and in the back of your mind, it feels like you don't deserve it. Um, so really every blessing becomes a trial um, because no matter how much you study, no matter how much you pray, you won't be free from what you did until you face it head on and stop running from it. Um, we are taught that a Muslim doesn't run from difficulty. Um, you run towards it and face it head on. And um, so you have to admit to yourself what you did wrong. Admit it, you know, and admit it out loud to Allah. Um, pray on it first. Go to him for strength and the guidance because atonement is not a simple process. But you pray and Allah will be there uh, with you the whole time, telling you what to say and giving you the strength to say it. No, it's not easy. But once you do it, you'll feel so much better, family. Um, you'll feel so much happier. Um, and you won't be free until you do it. Because as long as you keep how you feel and what you did inside, you're still guilty of it. Um, if you're a Muslim, you have to atone for, uh, from your sins to truly be free of your past. A lot of God doesn't just forgive you for your sins. You know, like they teach us in Christianity, oh, he you know, he'll forgive you. Um, not until we atone for what we did. Uh, we are still guilty of what we did until we do. The Holy, the holy Day of Atonement, um, to me, it, I, I believe it isn't just one time out of the year. You know, it's an every day. Uh, every day you have something to atone for. Um, you know, free yourself from that burden. Free that person you hurt from that pain you caused them. You may think you know how much pain you caused that person, but really you have no idea. The pain you caused them, it could have caused them so much pain that it ruined them and their life. And then they went and took that pain and ruined someone else's life and so on. You never know. Or maybe they weren't even hurt at all and you were stressing over nothing. <laughs> um, the person I went to tone for was like, what? what are you talking about? I don't even remember that. I'm over here sweating and crying, thinking I did just the worst thing. <laughs> and I felt so much better. I, really, I was only hurting myself keeping that in. So please, you know, go and call that grandma or auntie you're not talking to anymore. Call that brother or sister you have beef with. Call that 
ex or maybe not <laughs> maybe not that might not be a good idea call those you love they might not be here tomorrow we talk about unity and uniting as black people when our homes and families are broken up and separated we have to start with self start with trying to bring the family together all right that's all i had awesome like well, I so long. Maybe send him a message in the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother Maximus, go ahead. I family come family. Um, what's the what's that was? Nobody goes through a trial and come out the same, good or bad. Um, it made me think about myself. Um, before I did time, you know, well, you don't know, but I used to be like materialistic into cars and everything and when I did time when I went away for a while it was like at my low where I was like isolated and had to go without and it made me it was the time I got took the time to get to know myself and I started to realize and that's when I read the message to the black man you know about and I already knew about finance and stuff like that and started evaluating my needs and wants and in that process, evaluate my needs and wants and understanding the struggle, I started to appreciate life a little more. And that's where I got into understanding and service, understanding that, you know, we all don't come from the same circumstances and we all need help in one way or another. And we can assist others if you're in a position too. So um, that was one of my... Uh, biggest takeaway because that was a major trial in my life and then in that in that process of getting to know myself um it helped me with understanding people understanding the different circumstances thinking about knowing that goes back to we didn't come from the same playing ground we all need help in one way or another so I'm able to look at people sometimes I believe treat others the way I want to be treated but I know a lot of people are not going to treat me the same way, but I understand the circumstances, the upbringing, or, you know, like when she talked about the history that we went through and stuff like that. So that makes me more cognitive of it when I'm treating others. Um, and I just get very passionate when it comes to people. Um, and that's pretty much it. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, let's see here. Brother Jay, go ahead. Okay. Looks like he just dropped off again. If you would like to share your, your takeaways, please drop the number one in the chat. It will get you brought up here as well. Something that stood out to me. Uh, well, like I said, a lot stood out to me, but one of the points I share, um, is, is understanding, the different aspects of burnout, the physical burnout, the intellectual or mental burnout, the um, emotional burnout and the social burnout. I, I will say, I bear witness that I've experienced all four of those throughout my life um, and some of them more than one time. Um, and just understanding how easy it is to do so, especially when, and as, as uh, Sister Dr. Ava said as well, these bur this burnout situation can take place when you're dealing with, with in, individuals or dealing with people, especially dealing with our people and just understanding the need to be able to have stored energy. That's so important. Uh, where the rest is important. 
being able to take that time out for yourself. And it's not just taking a couple of days off of work, putting in some PTO and you think it's going to be all good. It's every day finding time for yourself to refuel, doing that, uh, as you brought out, that spiritual revival, that prayer, fasting, meditation, and close friendship with fellow believers. It's so important to get that charge. That's one thing I do love about study group is being around the believers and being able to engage in conscious and elevating conversation is a recharge regardless of how my day may have went what rejections I may have received or whatever I may have been battling with you know dealing with my child and things like that when you get around the believers and you're having spiritual uh conversation intellectual conversations it's a recharge it's a refresh um so being able to do that on a consistent basis you can store up that energy so when the difficulty does does come along when the stress is starting to mount up you have somewhere that you can pull from so that you're not moving off fumes which then ultimately turn to that anger and that that explosiveness that uh volatility that you can have when someone may do something that's so small um and i i know especially you know those of us that have children you know your child may do something you know and, and really what they may be doing is so small but because you haven't been taking care of yourself and because you've been overly invested in work or overly invested in the cause, as as uh, Sister Ava was saying as well, you end up blowing up on your child. And we got to understand the traumatic effects that can have on our children when we don't put things in the proper perspective and we don't check ourselves before we react to certain things and make sure we're responded in a proper way as well. Um, I see you, Brother Jay. Go ahead. Please, family, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, so one part, um, one part that stood out to me was um, when our sister basically gave a definition of peace. Um, when she said, uh, "Peace comes when we learn how to apply the word of God in a trial," um, and she gave the example of the minister basically going through so much pain and being so close to death, and in all of that, he still prayed to and thanked Allah for his life, um, and that just was like a, uh, uh, like a gem for me, like a reprogramming and it gave me a little bit better understanding of ye be transformed by the renewing of one's mind because growing up like the mentality that was in my community is why am I going through this dang if it ain't one thing it's another wop the bam this and that and that may be that may be because our people was lacking the knowledge that they needed to even apply going through the trial or they maybe didn't even know that they were going through a trial whatever the case may be um but now just hearing that and understanding that um once i hear that and i understand that it just makes me think because the struggle is ordained we we are you know the struggle god ordained us to struggle and now it's just about finding let's say life is like a classroom it's not about you got to go through the classroom you got to go through each grade you got to make it you got to graduate and it's instead of complaining like why i got to do homework every day why i got an assignment every day it's more so let me find the right formula or let me find the right steps or strategy that, that God given us with an example, like the minister, um, to get through these trials and these situations, man. So that's just one thing I got out of that stood out to me. Praise be to Allah. Thank you, brother. Sister Khadija. Assalamu alaikum. Peace. So I just have to thank Allah for our dear sister, sister Ava, because, oh, my God, everything, everything. I'm like, uh, I wish I was sitting down taking notes because, like, every point you just hit and everything that you all said was, like, key points for me as well. 
Um, and I definitely started sending it to everybody because I'm like, just being able to identify, um, to be able to overcome, you have to identify that you're dealing with something. A lot of us are just kind of, we just go through the flow of life, but not really having the time, like she said, to sit down, to meditate, to be, to be able to know that, you know, right now I'm mentally exhausted right here at work or, you know, let me slow down and do this. So just her laying out the tools, first laying out the different problems that we all can relate to, and then really giving us tools of how we can overcome these things um, after we identify that, you know, we have burnouts in certain areas, every area she said, I don't have my notes, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to write my notes of everything that she said about the emotional, the social, um, all of that. You just said it, um, brother, but all of that. And yeah, that's just my main takeaway though for me was like the slowing down process because I feel like um, I struggle a lot kind of growing up thinking that, you know, I have to do things and get her done like if it's not done in my time, then like it's never getting done. Like what's happening? So just the slowing down, accepting the process, not being quick to anger, slow to anger. And, you know, just watching myself when it comes to my own mental and not getting to the point where I'm having a burnout or a blowout um, because I got to that point where I'm just not able to control. So having the peace through the trials while we're, you know, in them and knowing that we're always going to be presented with trials, but it's just a matter of how we, um, as the minister says, the trial can either break you or make you. So that's all I have to say. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. All praise due to Allah. Thank you for sharing. That 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 is definitely um, something that I deal with a lot too. You got, we have to be able to slow down, especially nowadays, you know, everything is instant. Everything, we're in that microwave time period where everything you know you put it in a couple seconds boom you expect to get a full course meal we we have to understand and i and i say we and i'm always turning that w to a me because i have to understand that as well that things take time and especially if you want it to last it's going to take some time for it to last for sure um and, and just being able to to be willing to go through that that's a trial in itself to be patient it's a trial in itself to want to really perfect something or master a skill set um, be able to develop a new skill set. All of these things is, are, are definitely a trial in itself. But once you have overcome that trial, it's all beneficial from, from that point forward. Um, Brother Maximus, go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, um, Another thing, yeah, y'all was talking about um, patience. Um, and she was talking about, you know, schedule, you know, sometimes like if you schedule in a flight, you know, you want to get there earlier. And that's been a big, good, big part for me was routine, developing a routine and time of doing things. Um, because that helps simplify my life as far as um, I get up 3.30 in the morning and I run to the gym to work out and stuff. And the point that I'm making with that is when you put things in, when you develop a routine, you're able to allocate time. And sometimes it's not going to work out always to that, but you still have room to be, what was that word she used where you could adjust? You know what I mean? Um, and I'm going to tell you, since I've been doing that for the, like three years, I, I 
I never lose any sleep, even though I only get like four to five hours of sleep, but it's a routine. Um, working out, taking care of yourself, um, trying to eat. My my worst part is eat because I, I have a cookie fascination, unfortunately. But other than that, yeah, I totally agree with um the routine and taking care of yourself. The physical part is very uh, motivating. And just one thing I wanted to say was was something that was interesting um, because I talked about, you know, the knowledge and the studying. And the person I gave the book on how to eat to live yesterday, I mean, a while ago, came up to me today, was talking about how he was reading through it and how some of it was a little repetitive because it talked about what was at the beginning of the book. But it was just interesting because in that book, it explains that we don't get it. Sometimes we got to have it drilled into us in order to get it. So the way it talks about how to eat and the foods and stuff, and as you go further in, it reminds you about the beginning. You know what I mean? So sometimes in things, we got to be reminded and it got to be drilled into us in order to catch it and understand it. And that's it. All right. Wa'alaikum well, salam. Yes, sir. Reminders are important. They're very important. Uh, Sister Yolanda, go ahead. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. This was fanatically awesome for me because right now I am experiencing some discomfort, um, which is work related. And for me, I think I take work to a level that I shouldn't take it to because of how I um, feel about myself. I like to be dependable. I don't like for my load to be forwarded to others because I'm not there. So I strive to always uh, go to work, just work, work, work. So with me working um, a regular career job, also being a basketball and football official. I just work. I remember last year that I had submitted the um, writings. I forget. It was either the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It was someone about work and everything. So sometimes for myself, I think I take work to the extreme. And I have gotten to a point where I feel like I'm just burnt out from working, making my moss meetings on Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, because there's such a shortage of workers. And I feel as though, well, ain't nobody else here to do it. So shoot, why not? Don't you not go to the moss just because you don't feel like it. Don't you not go to the work because you just may not be mentally dead you just want to rest um and I don't work around a lot of people so I do get time to myself and I get to listen to the power calls but never nevertheless it just hit me the mental stress that I put on myself unnecessarily I'm only one person I can't conquer it all I can't do it all because other people aren't participating I can't always well I gotta make sure I'm dead but nevertheless, I just want to do my part. So just coming out of physical therapy, I do take those vacations, trust. I was listening to this while I was in physical therapy and she said two more weeks and it just hit me. And I said, you know what? 
don't feel ashamed don't feel bad don't have any type of negative feeling because right now you're off of work because the job is going to be there whether you there or not it's going to come but the more important part is you need to take care of yourself and this is probably two of the two times that when my body has come to a point where like yo it's time to sit down you need to sit down it's time to take a break. And when you go home, don't be trying to tidy up everything in the house. Just do absolutely nothing because I have a hard time doing that. I can't be at home and not do nothing. But this time, I really felt for myself, you know what? Just sit down and do nothing. Life be living. Not life be lifing. We're going to change it now. Life be living. So I need to be able to still continue to live and do things in moderation. Lady in physical therapy was just talking about that. That's one thing we don't know how to do. We don't know how to do things in moderation. And one of the most challenging things that comes is walking away from something when we can't get a resolve from it. That walking away, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to feel like a failure. Well, no, I'm not a failure. I can only do what I can do. So I have to embrace this and I thank you all for bringing this uh, lecture to us today. I just felt like I got a prescription without getting a prescription and I then took the medicine. And I'm going to take the medicine. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam. All praise is due to Allah. Uh, what you say, Sister Yolanda, um, brought up the quote that uh, Brother Student Regional Minister Abdul Qadir states is, don't, uh, don't get misused in your desire to be used. Um, and that was something that the minister has shared with him that he shared with us um, in class one time. And just understanding that quote really for me, just helped me with just being patient with myself and understand I can only do as much as I can do. And I have to be able, as, as Sister um, Abel was saying, we have to know when to, when to let it go. Got to know when to, when to walk away. Got to know when to, when, to, when to let that take its course in itself. So it's so important just to be patient with ourselves because it is natural for us to want to help others. And I know I dealt, I deal with that a lot too. Um, just understanding the importance of, um, as someone put it in the minute, self first, then others, because you can end up damaging yourself and your desire to want to help someone else. And ultimately you still can't help anybody. If you put yourself so far in the deficit, as far as that, uh, that stored energy that we need to have to be able to move forward in life. So I appreciate you sharing Sister Yolanda. Uh, yeah. So you said minister Abdul Qadir Muhammad said that. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to have to go ask my minister, what was that phrase you said? Can you type that in the chat so I can say that to myself? I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Don't Thank don't, you, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'm not going to say nothing to him. You're good. <laughs> You're good. Don't be misused in your desire in, to be used. Don't be misused in your desire to be used. I'll type Thank it as you, well sir. once we get to the next um next person. Sister Randisha, and I see someone that had a, a question. I don't see them drop the question, but if you would like to share, drop a one and we can get you in line as well. Um, but Sister Randisha, go ahead. Yes, sir. So Assalamualaikum. So this one was like very big for me. I wasn't even going to say nothing because I was just processing it. But I think that's something that stood out to me was when she said the atonement, the process of admitting we are at fault. Sometimes it's so hard for us to admit that we are at fault. Like even sometimes when my husband points out certain things to me, it'd be like, oh, really? I didn't even know that. Like, you know, I didn't even know I came across like that. Um, You know, so sometimes, you know, when I'm wrong, of course, sometimes it was very, very hard for me to say I'm sorry. 
as the only child, like I ain't never have to say like to my sibling if I punched them or something like that, because right, I'm the only child. I'm sorry or anything like that. So it came with like a lot of responsibility. Now being married, sharing space, et cetera, et cetera. So when my tone is a little off or when I don't do the things that I'm required to do as a wife, sometimes those things aren't necessary. So it's just taking the steps to say I'm wrong. You can be wrong in anything, you know, even at a job, even how you deal with your children, um, anything. And then another thing that stood out to me was... uh. When she said, we interact, but we don't have the closeness, you know, and sometimes the closeness is not with our brother and sister, but it's with the God within our brother and sister. The minister says that he settles on the best part of us. He said at um on his 90th birthday is that as long as we're able to see the God within, then everything else should be eliminated. And I think sometimes that, like she explained the process of the clicks, et cetera, is that we don't look the minister gave us the eight steps of atonement and how we should atone. And then Dr. Sister Ava came back and gave us the 12 points. And then she also gave us other points. But sometimes that we have to look deep inside our sisters and our brothers. And like she also said, that we all have a gift that can be cultivated. So those were just some of the things that um stood out to me. Assalamualaikum. Wow, Uh Let's see here. Brother Daniel. Yes, sir. If the person with the question wanted to put that on the table before I answered, I'll forego. If not, I'll just continue. Okay, yeah, they, they did drop a one. Um, Van? Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, um, As-salamu alaykum. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, today I didn't have any um, comment, but I just wanted to get on and ask a quick question because um, I'm from Haiti and I recently got married. And, um, you know, in Haiti, there we don't have any Muslim. So me coming here 10 years ago, um, I think the past year, 2023, I've been paying a lot of attention to um, the nation. I've been listening to the minister a lot and, you know, other uh, um, messengers and, and, and things like that. So I've been learning a lot in, um, by paying attention to the nation. I, I'm learning who I am and... Um, in finding my purpose and my mission. So, but we grew up in Haiti. It's either you Catholic or uh, uh, Baptist, you know, um, Seventh-day Adventist. So there is no Muslim, like I said. So my question is, I, you know, I wanted to, I want to know how can I introduce like my wife to the nation because my first daughter, she's about to be two and I want her to grow up Muslim, you know, because I see what it's doing for me and I know what it can do for my family. And and she's really like deep into, um, she's deep into Christianity, you know? So I would like to know what like the best way to approach her and, and, and introduce that to her. Because um, I think I texted Brother Ben um, a, a few months ago, and he sent me a, a, a mosque close to me. It's about an hour from me, and they be having Bible studies and stuff. So I would like to go and take her. But like I said, she's really deep into Christianity, and I want to know, like, the best way to really approach her with that. Yes, sir. First, I want to say congratulations to you, brother. Thank you. Uh, on your union. And then also all praises due to a lot that, that you are seeing some improvement in your life, just in, in, in gleaning off from the minister. Um, as everyone, as you see in the chat, the, the best thing you can do is continue to work on yourself and, and continue to show 
the benefits of the teachings through your example, being able yes. to give the clearest explanation that you can. If you're not sure how to articulate the words, you can always just share the minister's words. Um, the minister is going to give you, he, we have plenty of lectures, especially now with YouTube, you have all the lectures to your, to your advantage to be able to share on whatever topic that you want to be able to discuss with her or want to go over, whether it's with your relationship, if it's understanding our position with Jesus and different things like that, the minister has a lecture for you. Go also can go to finalcall.com, type in some keywords and things that you may have questions about, or she may have questions about. And there's an article there that will be able to pull that information from you as well. And then also you have the power call, bring on the power call. I'm sure yes. it's something that we may have. Um, If you're not on the app, get on the app you can watch one of the replays if you you know follow brother ben he has uh you know different things that he shares in reference to that as well but you can always just give her the minister's words to be able to do that um if you have message to the black man if you have any of the books of the most honorable Elijah muhammad praise be to allah yes sir uh, just read some of it with her get, you know get her take and any questions that come up Type them in 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 finalcall.com. Look for a lecture that's pertaining to that as well. And then anything that you know you may be curious about, just continue to search for. It. And again, like I said the main thing is is you continue to improve your example and showing the benefits of the teaching, showing how it's changing your life. It'll eventually be able to show her because we're taught put the clean glass next to the dirty glass. You don't have to condemn the dirty glass. Just be the cleanest glass you can and continue to allow the teachers to clean you up. And then she will be able to see that it is transformative and life-giving as well. So I pray that was helpful. And anybody else that would like to Absolutely. share any comments on that, please do so. But I appreciate you coming up and sharing, brother. Yes, and, sir. And Thank you. For the All right. Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir. Praise be to Allah. Um, brother Daniel, go ahead. Yes, sir. Those are some great points that you share with our brother. Um, I'll address that first. One of the things that Sister Ava said was we have to have prayer in our life. And since we believe that Allah is in the person of Master Fahd Muhammad, I would ask him directly how to go about it and listen for the guidance through messages, through reading of the Holy Quran, through whatever means by which he will talk to you, through sending you another human being. Then look for their guidance and know, and we were taught when we pray, don't doubt that he didn't hear. He hears. Sister Ava talked about him not having that put things on hold or have a voice on all that. Allah, Master Muhammad, hears our prayers directly. And since none of us come to the nation by coincidence, he called you. He knew who you were married to. So go directly to him. Also, what brother spoke about of example, that's the great advice because we are told that uh, the best among you is he who is most kindest to his wife. So by nature, we know that we're taught that the woman looks up or tries to equal herself up to the man and she demands fair treatment. So if you be the best example and treat her as fair as you know how as you're growing in your Islam, that example would be best in your relationship. Um, I also wanted to speak on the importance of atonement and truth because the first one in atonement is to point out the wrong. And then the next one is to acknowledge it. The role that truth played in this process of overcoming burnout is so important because without it, we won't even be able to move in this process. Sister Ava said, if somebody is thinking they don't need this and they so humble and meek and quiet, and whisper, she said, I'm more scared of you because you're living in denial. 
You said this is not for us to be boisterous, but it's for us to use our voice to speak that truth. It reminds me of the characteristics of humility in study guide 15, where the minister said that humility is based on a truthful and honest assessment of oneself. That stands out to me because I had a, a, a kind of a faint sense of humility because I was mild-minded and humble, but I wasn't in, inwardly truthful with myself. So I realized that I never really could truly be humble if I kept denying the truth that was permeating through my own mind, heart, and soul. So embracing that, owning up to that, I wind up having to walk away from a marriage of 25 years when she spoke about sometimes you got to go. It was inevitable, you know, only because she was moving in one direction, different belief system, and I was moving in another. And I knew in reality that could not work. So, you know, truth is very, very important. The minister said it's the most necessary ingredient for our salvation. So I just wanted to uh, point that out. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. All praises due to a lot. Uh, let's see. Do we have any other ones? Uh, brother Esmond, I apologize if I'm uh, pronouncing your name incorrectly. Brother Esmond, Es Esmond. Okay. Not allowed to unmute. Um, I mean it's unlocked. It should be should be available to you. Um not sure. Let's see here. One second. But great points. If anybody else while we're waiting on that as well, would like to comment, please drop a number one in the chat. Um yeah, I'm not sure. Let me see. Let me try this. All right. I just sent you a notification to try to unmute. Let's see if that worked. Okay. All right. Yeah, you may have to you may have to look at your settings. You may need to either unjoin the audio and rejoin it, um, or you can leave and come back real quick. Um, we'll be here for you, but. Um, another thing that, that stood out to me while we wait on uh, and seeing if we can get Brother Esmond to unmute um, it's just understanding and again I, and someone please I, I I got 12 of the points and I, I mean I got 11 of the points and I know some few of us have mentioned it being 12 so if I miss one please uh, let me know which one I missed um, so I can have the full gambit of uh, the steps to be able to handle stress because I don't want to miss any of those steps um, but, but also have that acquired taste uh, which she mentioned about the acquired taste, not just the acquired taste for things that are good, but then there's also, uh, well, excuse me, not the acquired taste that we have for things that are, are negative, you know, like the chips and the different things like that. And even the relationships, we can have acquired taste to negative relationships and being able to know about these things and be able to develop or acquire the taste for better relationships with individuals as well. And that proper understanding of clicks and that, Clicks doesn't have to have a negative connotation to it, though 
is is normally given a negative connotation. It's only negative when those cliques are used to judge other people or to mistreat other people or to make decisions and judgments um, based off of people that may not be inside the clique that we have as well. But it's natural to be able to be attracted to individuals um, that are like-minded um, and, and, and want a fellowship with those as well. So that's not something that is unnatural or shouldn't be done at all, but it should be done properly and understanding the proper context to have with the clique that you, or some or individuals or group of friends that you may have that you are attracted to or have a, um, um, a, a clinging towards as well. So just understanding that. And then as she brought up as well, we have to really consider and evaluate our environment and see how our environments may be uh, creating stress on ourselves, creating an, an environment that is causing us to be burnt out. Uh, which is very key because your environment will change you before you change your environment. So it's best to be able to put yourself in the best environment that's conducive for your growth, conducive for you being able to handle stress in the proper way as well. And also not being silent about the things that um, other individuals, maybe there's family or friends or anyone that you associate with that may be causing you stress. We don't want to be silent about it. We want to be vocal about the things that is that are causing that is causing us stress so that they are aware because many times we don't say anything and we just suffer in silence and we think, oh, well, they, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing to me. Um, that also is a sign that we're being burnt out because we're taking that pessimistic approach. We're seeing things as negative. Um, and if we just vocalize it, and, and that's a part of atonement as well, being able to confront somebody as well that they have offended you so that they can atone um, is, is important. Um, because they, they may not know that they're offending you. And if we don't say anything, they're going to continue to offend you blindly, not knowing that it is an offense. So we want to make sure that we're clear about that and communicating the things that are affecting us as well. Um, so that was one thing I wanted to share. And Brother Esmond, are you are you back? I don't see your... Let me see. I don't see his name. Oh, okay, he's connected now. Let's see here. But yes, anyone else that would like to share, please drop a one. We got a few more minutes. Um, Brother Esmond, are you able to unmute now? Salam alaikum. Can you hear me? Wa alaikum salam. Yes, sir. I'll praise you. Oh. Uh, yes, sir. So, yeah, I felt uh, compelled to... Uh, speak to the brother from Haiti. Um, I've been married for, I'm, I'm 49 years old. I've been married for 25 years. Um, and I just wanted to say that when you align yourself with the teachings and uh, you conform to the teachings, there's power in that. Um, and, and, and within that power, you're going to present a godly spirit in the nature of the woman is inclined and attracted to God. So as the brother alluded to, your, your self-representation of those teachings are going to be the most powerful thing that attracts your wife to Islam. So, so you, 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 you have to, you have to stick to the course and then you're going to see she, your, your power. If you, if you focus and you, and you uh, meditate on these teachings, your, your your power is going to be undeniable and it's going to attract her to what it is that's making you 
the better individual. That's all I wanted to say, brother. Praise be to Allah. Thank you for sharing, beloved. You're welcome, brother. Yes, sir. Well, this has been another exciting, um, electrifying power call as always. Um, if you haven't been able to share, you're not able to step away to be able to come on mic or come on camera, please share your takeaways within the app um, in the Power Call testimonial section. If you join the call and you're not in the app, go to powercall.net and join. You can create a free profile and you'll have access to the Zoom calls every day, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And be sure to, to come on every morning and tell a friend to tell a friend and tell a brother and tell a sister to come on and join the power call. Because this is something that as a family, we come together every morning and be able to build on these teachings and be able to help each other based off of what we learned from the given lecture that we have as well. Because you never know what your experience, what your takeaway, the notes that you captured while someone else was writing something down, you, you picked it up and be able to share that at the end. You help somebody else and they may need to catch that point. Just like if I miss one of those uh, steps, someone please catch that step and drop it in the uh, power card testimonial section as well so that we all can be able to grow. Um, but again, I appreciate everybody coming to the power call. We'll see you tomorrow for another great lecture that we'll be listening to or watching. I think we have video tomorrow. You'll be able to watch it as well. But have a blacktastic rest of your day. Stay safe, family. Assalamualaikum.